the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into hour three. Um, I wanted to weigh in on this serious cultural and political issue before us that most people are getting wrong. The great constitutional historian Leonard Levy defined blasphemy as treason against God. And, of course, the historical punishment is, of course, death. But not if you are blaspheming the God Christians look up to, at least not in the last 500-plus years, and not if you are blaspheming the God Jews look up to, at least not in the last 2,000-plus years. But there is a world's major religion where this is true still today, and the blasphemy can be words or it can be the action of existence. The land of Israel, inhabited and governed by Jews, is a blasphemy in and of itself to Muslims. The land Muslims consider their own is blasphemed when non-Muslims, primarily Christians or Americans, are on its soil. Do recall, after the first complaint that animated Osama bin Laden, it wasn't U.S. support for Israel, which was always a tertiary concern for bin Laden and al-Qaeda at best. It was Americans based on the land called Saudi Arabia. They defiled and blasphemed the land by their very existence. Here in America, we, the home of the free and the land of the brave, have given in and surrendered to the antediluvian notion that blasphemy deserves death. It just depends on the god or the church or mosque, doesn't it? And it is all this that is wrapped up in the attempted assassination of Salman Rushdie. I recall well when the Ayatollah of Iran put a death threat, a fatwa, out on Rushdie for publishing a book that disrespected Muhammad. I was shocked there was a debate over the justice of it all rather than a uniform denunciation of the injustice of such a death sentence. Turns out the preschool advice most children were imbued with, that sticks and stones could hurt but words could not unless you let them, turns out that Preschool wisdom was superannuated by the conspicuous and exacting sympathy for those whose feelings were considered hurt. And feelings trumped not only facts, but actions. This is why we can now hear that speech equals violence without batting an eye, even though we all really know there's a joke we're supposed to be in on, right? As words literally do not constitute violence, not literally. This is why here there is a constitutional amendment to protect words and images, but a federal code of law and a cascade of state and municipal laws that bar literal violence. What's the point anymore, one may ask? Thomas Jefferson, as all our founders and thinkers, was onto this quite early, writing something that did not or should not have had to be written. It was so commonly believed. But he put it this way in his notes on Virginia, quote, the error seems not sufficiently eradicated that the operations of the mind as well as the acts of the body are subject to the coercion of the laws. But our rulers can have authority over such natural rights only as we have submitted to them. 
The rights of conscience, we never submitted. We could not submit. We are answerable for them to our God. The legitimate powers of government extend to such acts only as are injurious to others, but it does me no injury for my neighbor to say there are 20 gods or no God, and neither picks my pocket nor breaks my leg, close quote. In other words, we can make laws that restrain acts, not thought, operations of the body, not the mind, and especially so when it comes or came to religion or matters of faith and belief and conscience. All that was supposed to be protected, your physical safety and your religious freedom, and often enough, your latter by the former. It helped that we separated church from state here, but it was not the sufficient condition of our liberties. There is no such separation in a great many countries, and yet religious freedom is still respected, and violence against minorities, religious, racial, otherwise, still prohibited. But not in Islam or political Islam, where the mosque and state are inseparable and the punishment for blasphemy and behavior deemed blasphemous is still death. This is why so many of us got so nervous when the left in America started telling us words could be violence and silence could equate to killing. We thought it good enough that violence was violence and killing was killing. But once this conflation started taking hold here, it became evident that what plagued theocracies abroad would start to create a political theocracy here, where indeed some violence could even be justified, while other violence condemned, if it served or opposed the new church. Thus, we are now debating whether the former president committed treason and insurrection for his beliefs and a single sentence to march peacefully and patriotically when others did not do so, having heard the former president or not. And actual violence, such as that aimed against conservative Supreme Court justices or pro-life centers or members of the Trump administration, or violence in the name of the church's highest right, anti-racism, could all be excused. All of this is what comes to the fore in the Salman Rushdie affair. That Rushdie affair is the title of any number of articles and essays from 1989, the year of the original fatwa against him. Who knew that affair would last over 30 years? Well, those of us who said the history books of the political Islamists know no expiration date. They're still mad, after all, about Christian defeats of Muslims in 1492 at the Battle of Granada. Meanwhile, there is no expiry date to the left either which for other reasons, namely the discovery of the world that would convey religious freedom, tells us we can no longer even celebrate 1492's efforts to discover the new world here, as it led to, gasp, America. The left and political Islam, it turns out, have an awful lot in common, which is why there is a red-green axis where anti-Americanism and all that is implied by Americanism, is the chief animating hymn book to the Marxist left as well as the Islamist fascist. This is why you have Rashida Tlaib's and Ilan Omar's with fundamentally Marxist views antithetical to Islam because the chief concern to them is the defeat of the West. That is the more important religion. This is why you have Soviet inspiration and support for Islamic movements throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s, if and only if they were anti-imperialist, because that meant they were anti-United States. Though Marxism relegates religion to drugs, it was okay 
to combine with the Muslims so long as it was anti-West. Any port in the anti-American harbor will do. And if the port is maintained by Islamism or Marxism, so long as the ship it gives shelter to is anti-American, it is a good harbor. You see, the Communist International was first and foremost about defeating the enemy, and the enemy was imperialism, colonialism, neocolonialism, and racism. Or so they keep telling us and kept telling us at the UN since its founding, and which Islamists and Marxists alike were aligned. All that is more important than God, which is why you see so much of that in liberal churches and synagogues, and so little of God. Fighting racism, colonialism, and imperialism is the new theocratic effort. This hymn book, the church's exegesis, even comes with its own language. It is most peaceful, or mostly peaceful, to violently riot in the name of racial justice. And it is sacrosanct to void and nullify all COVID restrictions that apply to everyone unless you are part of the elite elect or violating restrictions in the name of racial justice. Over 1,200 doctors, after all, in the heat of COVID and BLM riots, would write a joint letter that said, quote, We support the public gatherings as vital to the national public health and to the threatened health specifically of black people in the United States. We can show that support by facilitating safest protesting practices without detracting from demonstrators' ability to gather and demand change. This should not be confused with a permissive stance on all gatherings, particularly protests against stay-at-home orders, close quote. They actually said that. In other words, violating one public health stricture, COVID mandates, was justified in the name of public health, but no other protests were to be countenanced, especially about those mandates, because the church. What church? The church professor John McWhorter described in his book, Woke Racism. There, he writes the following, quote, With the rise of third-wave anti-racism, we are witnessing the birth of a new religion, just as Romans witnessed the birth of Christianity. The way to get past seeing the elect as merely crazy is to understand that they are a religion. To see them this way is not to wallow in derision, but to genuinely grasp what they are, close quote. He continues that it is futile to argue with these anti-racists. To the question, are you a racist? They will accept neither no nor yes for an answer. Quote, to apologize shows your racism. To refuse the apology, too, shows your racism. To not be interested in black culture shows your racism. To get into black culture and decide that you, too, want to rap or wear dreadlocks also shows racism. Close quote. McWhorter sees the anti-racists as promulgating a new religion in which they are the elect and the others are the heathen. He terms it a religion because it includes many beliefs that are illogical and even contradictory, but to which one must nonetheless commit if one is to join the elect. Quote, key to being elect is a sense that there is always a flock of unconverted heathen. Many of the heathen are, for example, the whites out there, as it is often put about the white people who were so widely feared as possibly keeping Barack Obama from being elected twice. McWhorter does make one attempt to describe a central belief implicit in this religion, quote, battling power relations and the discriminatory effects must be the central focus of all human endeavor, be it intellectual, moral, civic or artistic. 
Those who resist this focus or even evidence insufficient adherence to it must be sharply condemned, deprived of influence, and ostracized, close quote. So if you want to understand how some violence in America can be countenanced and some sanctioned, it is not the violence and a single standard of equal justice you must be cognizant of. It is that countenance and sanction will depend on what church you are a member of, and that church can be a mosque. For example, there is no English equivalent to the neologism Islamophobia, and it is Islamophobia to criticize the practice of certain theologians who speak in the name of Islam. That is why it was cultural arrogance to denounce the original fatwa in 1989, and that is why today it is still Islamophobic to attribute any illegal or vile action by anyone who shouts in the name of their God that they are representing their God if their God belongs to the God of Islam. But it is fine and dandy to, of course, condemn Christianity and turn a blind eye to anti-Semitism. Ironically, enough where one is hated and one fueled by political Islam. So when everyone held their tongues as publishers and booksellers were targeted with death for publishing, translating, or selling Salman Rushdie's works, here in America we were so scrupulous of eggshell head feelings that news organizations wouldn't even publish cartoons from Denmark that caused Muslims there and the world over to threaten the beheading of anyone who republished those cartoons. I use the word caused advisedly because, as we all know, we are, as humans, still theoretically responsible for the actions of our own bodies, the agency of our own will that catalyzes throwing a firebomb or not, that catalyzes pouring water on the target of that bomb or adding fuel to it or not. So when some here find it astonishing that the administration is quiet, too quiet, about denouncing what happened to Salman Rushdie, Understand, the muted response speaks volumes about everything except what the real problem is, and it's not blasphemy. It's second and third standards of right and wrong, justice and injustice, protected classes and unprotected classes. The whole Islamophobia business here was a fiction in the first place. Every year before 2001 and since, hate crimes against Muslims in America paled by degrees of 10 times or more in comparison to hate crimes against others, like Jews, for example. The FBI, just for one recent example, had for its latest hate crime report just over 100 anti-Muslim hate crimes last year, but over 600 anti-Jewish hate crimes, most of which were fueled by religious and political support for the only democracy in the Middle East where freedom of religion is actually upheld rather conscientiously in a country known as the Jewish state, which not only tolerates Christianity and Christian churches and evangelization, but Muslim mosques, some of the largest in the world, and even Muslim bumptiousness, as in the case of the mosque they allow to blare calls to prayer as they intrusively penetrate the inner sanctums of such places as the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem. It is a disgrace we allow such political theoretic theocratic ideologies to invade the West, which was once known for disestablishing politics from religion. 
But then again, it's a disgrace we allow resegregation and double standards and triple standards of justice based on race in America after hundreds of years of efforts at civil rights, the point of which was nothing more than equal treatment for all and equal safety for all. We don't really live in a world of equal justice and not really in a country of one anymore either, especially if your political views are the wrong ones. Ratched up to be analogous to blasphemous views if you are a conservative or just want to cite Martin Luther King Jr. The politics of the left, especially as animated by anti-Americanism or anything against the notion of American greatness, is now a theology. And anything against that theology of the day is heresy and blasphemy, not unlike what two ayatollahs charged the novelist Salman Rushdie with. Meanwhile, just in case you don't understand this memo, take a look at the current issue of the Atlantic Monthly, probably the most culturally elite social and political magazine in the country after the New Yorker. One article there is titled, How the Rosary Became an Extremist Signal, and the other, with no irony to the editors, is titled, The Right's New Bogeyman. The right's new boogeyman, speaking about an evident overconcern about Jane's revenge and the violence against crisis pregnancy centers. Catholicism violent, anti-life violence is exaggeration. And if there be more violence from Muslims, understand their culture. But of course, understand it without saying the word Islam, for we must protect the trodden upon and weak minority, now constituting nearly two billion people and in charge of running at least 57 countries, while facing the least amount of bigotry of almost any group in America. It is to our ongoing shame we neither recognize this nor do anything about it. I know to do so would be to disestablish the church, and the elect won't allow for that, even as they speak of the right and conservatives as the ones who pose a threat, if not an existential threat to the U.S. Constitution. Might help if they read that Constitution first, and even better, actually agreed with what was in it. We'd all be a lot less violent today, and treated a lot more equally. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, what they are offering is a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm run by really good people who are doing really well by doing good for others. And you can be too. If this interests you, check them out at investyrefi.com, the word invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. Until and unless we get our hands around what I was just talking about in my monologue, the red-green axis, the Marxism mixed with the Islamism that serves as an anti-constitutional Constitutional leash on what we can think and what we can say, we're going to be presiding over thousands of Salman Rushdie's. And if you want to get an example or an understanding of what it's beginning to mean and look like when you violate the principles of the church, 
Just look at what they say you can and should be able to do with impunity to people who worked for Donald Trump. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Kelly Cooper coming up. Well, welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to welcome back to the show Kelly Cooper. He is uh, the uh, uh, the the winner of the primary uh, for uh, District 4, running for Congress in Arizona, here to defeat Greg Stanton. Uh, early on, he reached out to me. We got to know each other well. I was delighted to support and help any way I could, and he has proven victorious, which is a big win already, and now he's looking to take back the seat that Greg Stanton now occupies. Kelly Cooper, congrats on your win. I don't think we've spoken since the primaries last week or two, and uh, it's a delight to have you here. Well, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to be here. I appreciate it. Given everything we're facing, you are exactly the kind of person we want in Congress, uh, former military, small business owner in the uh, restaurant field. Tell the audience, uh, now that you're in a general election, reintroduce yourself to them, uh, those that might be tuning in, those that might be uh, now focusing on Congressional District 4. It's a new district. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about it. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so, Marine Corps veteran, I served all over the all over the world um, after graduating high school, uh, all of South and Central America, Cuba, South Korea, Okinawa. I've done some other travels in Europe and, and Africa, but uh, went back uh, hospitality industry, sweat equity, my way up into my first bit of restaurant ownership. Uh, today, I own three restaurants, uh, both melting pots here in the valley, and then a little sports bar in Chandler uh, called BKD's Backyard Joint. It's a uh, Fresh kitchen, scratch cooking, uh, smoke our own meats in-house kind of place. Very good. I've uh, been married for nine years. I have two kids in public charter school at Great Hearts in Chandler and uh, have become disillusioned, frustrated, angry, ready for change with the way that our government treated us, has been treating us, and acted through COVID. And uh, so I decided it was... It was time, although I was told often that it wasn't my time and it wasn't my turn. (laughs) um, I decided it was time to uh, answer the calling and do something about uh, poor representation. Well, I'm glad you are, and I'm glad you rolled up your sleeves to do it. Greg Stanton, uh, the current congressman in CD4, he's kind of an interesting bird in that he stays relatively under the radar. He's still considered uh, a backbencher even after several terms. He's not a very distinguished or well-known speaker. It's hard to imagine or remember much of anything he said since he's been elected to Congress. There's been no great moment, no Mr. Smith goes to Washington or anything even close to that. But I was reminded of something I learned about a long time ago. Be careful for the quiet guy in the back of the room. And C.S. Lewis, in the opening to uh, the Screwtape te- uh, Letters, uh, warns about uh, the quiet people whose names you don't know who are off doing the government's business uh, under the radar. And that's what Greg Stanton's calling card has been. That's really been his success story. He votes uh, as uh, as left-wing as Nancy Pelosi, but you never hear really too terribly much about him. And that's been his secret sauce to keep um, getting reelected in Arizona. You're going to stop that, aren't you? I'm going to do my very best. We were talking about Greg basically not being yeah um, yeah. We have to be careful of the quiet guy in the back of the room in the back that that you got to worry yeah, about. Yeah, uh, and and I think that's exactly. I think you've pegged it right on. Uh, he's quietly and diligently gone about the work of reinforcing 
and signing on to 100% of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's failed agenda. And he continues to do that, even to this day, um, was proudly um, trumpeting that he uh, signed off on and voted for uh, this Build Back Better climate change agenda inflationary bill that they just signed that uh, supposedly is going to lower inflation. Yeah, supposedly, uh, like so much that the government is supposedly going to do, like there was supposedly going to be a peaceful transfer of power to the Taliban a year ago, right? Uh, Kelly, we can talk about that in the next break, too, if you want. But your 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 website, I want to give it out to people, kellycooperarizona.com, kellycooperarizona.com. The very first tab you have is on government overreach. And, yeah, we are now unleashing 87,000 new IRS agents, and we know this is going to go after the middle class. It has to. This is, this is not about going after billionaires. There's less than 1,000 of them. we got 87,000 new agents. they got to do something, <laughs> right? Let me take a quick commercial break. This was a short segment. We'll have a longer one on the other side just to introduce you or reintroduce you to the audience. And we'll come back and talk about those 87,000 agents, more money. Greg Stanton wants to give to community colleges, though they're sitting on a ton of it, and uh, a few other things. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get your perspective, you having worn the uniform of the United States on a year out from Afghanistan. We'll do it all with Kelly Cooper when we come right back. Again, you want to support this man. You want to take back this seat. KellyCooperArizona.com. I'm Seth East Kelly. We'll be right back. People in the East Valley, particularly in Chandler, know Kelly Cooper as a man of the military. They know him as a restaurant owner. I'm hoping that very soon they are going to know him as the next congressman representing Congressional District 4 in Arizona. Kelly, talk to us about this Build Back Better and this Inflation Reduction Act, the 87,000 new IRS agents that Greg Stanton's supporting. Uh, talk to us about his new initiative to give more money to community colleges, though they're soaking in it. Take it any direction you want, Kelly. We just signed off on uh, basically an $800 billion uh, spending spree. Uh, it, it really follows along with all of the rest of the Democrat spending sprees that we've had since uh, Joe Biden's taken office. And they're really focusing on all of these pet projects that uh, so far seem to be unhelpful. I mean, 87,000, and you, I think you picked this right on the head before we went off to break. Yeah. 87,000 new IRS agents. Tell me what those guys are going to do, because right. eventually they run out of rich people to go after. <laughs> yes, they do. And eventually America runs out of money, doesn't it, when it keeps taking money out of the private sector and putting it into the government coffers? Well, but that's that's the goal, right? So yeah. when we bloat the government, we suck all the money up, and it becomes the major employer in, in the country, and small businesses don't exist anymore. The, is the long-term devaluation of the dollar uh, through uh, funny money schemes, through printing money, it's driving the inflation up. It's crushing the people of Arizona. It's crushing the people in my district. And we have to have somebody that understands that, that understands the economy, that understands how money works, that's going to stand and do something different than what we've been doing because pulling out the monopoly game and taking all the money out of it and flushing it into the economy uh, doesn't work. 
if I ran my businesses that way, I promise you, we would not be on the phone right now. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you're, you're, you're probably in the middle class or you're a business owner now. Maybe you're in the upper middle class, but you know the middle class. You employ the middle class. You help create the middle class, Kelly, and you know what they go through. I mean, you're in the service industry. You know how hard life is for Americans right now. Uh, there oh, yeah. is nothing that could um, make their life harder than the notion of having now, with everything else they're dealing with, have to deal with less money in their paycheck and more government oversight as to whether they are giving enough money from their paycheck. If they get a letter from the IRS, if they get an audit, that's a whole new world of busy they have to get involved in. I mean, nothing about this is making life easier for the middle class or those trying to achieve it, right? Absolutely. Well, and, and this, the Democrat Party used to claim to be the party of the middle class, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. What what happened? Where did that go? Where did where did the party of the people go? When did the politicians that represent that group stop caring? And I think I know the answer. But when did they stop caring about average people? Like I look around my district, and and I'm middle class. I'm not upper okay. upper middle okay. class. I'm middle All class. Right. I didn't mean to elevate. You. Didn't mean to notify the IRS on you. I have to make the you. same decisions that yeah. these these other folks have to make. Can I afford a full tank of gas, or do I have to stop and get? get groceries do i have to buy lunches for my kids for school tomorrow or uh can i afford the medications uh that we need for the house i mean these are these are all those real decisions and doing more and more of this is what's causing this inflation it's it's what's created the environment that we live in and it's 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 become very apparent that republicans are the ones that actually care about the people and democrats never really did. It was just a sham that they put up so they could gain this power they have. Kelly, talk to me about this thing. I mean, it's it's really flying under the radar, but talk to me about $400 million of new taxpayer spending to go to community colleges. Yeah, so what's the point? I mean, uh, do we... It, do each, of the, each of the representatives that voted for this bill, do they have major donors in community college? I just don't understand why we're pushing more money into systems that are flooded with capital already and flooding flooding that capital into a supply-side restricted economy is what's exactly put us in this position. And yet we continue to double down on these policies as if somehow we haven't figured it out. I, I, it just blows my mind the, the very basic steps that are being ignored or just either not seen or, or completely ignored on purpose that have led us here. And I, I don't understand why we're pushing money into a system that already has it. That's, 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 I mean, I think a lot of one of the, the reasons that on your, on your website, you're, you're going after government overreach, the economy and inflation is there's a lot of work to do here and we need someone to start saying no. All Greg Stan does is keep saying yes and there seems right. to be no accountability. I mean, when you guys come into power, I hope when you take the majority, I hope you're going to have hearings and I hope you're going to do a lot of oversight. Yeah. You have to, right? We're, we're going to do a ton. But one of the things you just said, right? So the Democrat Party is using Webster's Dictionary to redefine terms and languages. And I think they erased the word no out of a dictionary for themselves. Yeah, it exactly. is beyond belief. Yeah, listen, we have to have hearings. We have to talk about things like. Um, Anthony Fauci and what he's done. We have to talk about the Fed and how they've handled this. We have to talk about uh, education and why we're at where we're at and why we haven't done 
anything different to help catch any of the students up for the for the work that they've been held out of doing uh <laughs> there there is so much how about uh afghanistan and the way that we abandoned um afghanistan yeah there, talk, talk there, to me about there that. is so much oversight that needs to happen that's been ignored for the last almost two years that we're going to be inundated with with hearings and what i really want to be able to do is undo a lot of this mess good if you're commit, if you're conducting hearings, that's less money you're voting on to spend. We have spent <laughs> enough money. I want you doing hearings, Kelly Cooper. I want you doing hearings. I love it, and I want accountability. You can use that. Well, it's good to be in touch with you. It's good to congratulate you officially on air again, Kelly Cooper for Congress. Kelly Cooper Arizona dot com is the website, sir. Stay in close touch. We're going to help you take this seat back for, for the congressional district that sits in cd4 and we're going to help you take back the district for arizona and the rest of the country as well sir yes sir thank you so much i appreciate you taking the time with me always sir always be delight to have to be able to call you congressman kelly cooper folks kelly cooper arizona.com i'm seth liebson we'll be right back Okay, Kelly, thank you so much. We'll play that at 5.30 this afternoon. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Hey, listen, I don't know if it came off or not, but my phone kept going dark. Like, yeah, we'll clean it up on our end since we taped it, so no one will know. No one will know. We'll okay. be fine. Yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm literally standing out in the middle of the parking lot thinking maybe it was my cell was getting I, interrupted. It, I have no it, idea. It's on our side. We have a little glitch we're working on, but we'll make it sound perfect. Ah. Yeah, not to worry. Okay, perfect. All right, brother. I appreciate that. You betcha. All right, talk to you soon. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, and thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Uh, Just on that last point about Greg Stanton, the quiet man in the back of the room, you always want to be careful of that quiet person. It can be a woman, too, that doesn't have to answer for the votes that they make and the decisions that they make on your behalf. You see this in a version of Mark Kelly, the U.S. senator, as well. And as I was referencing in the screw tape letters, the introduction to the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis writes, The greatest evil is not done now in those sordid dens of crimes that Charles Dickens loved to paint. It's not even done in concentration camps and labor camps. In those we see the final result, but it is conceived and ordered, moved and seconded, carried and minuted in clear, carpeted, warmed and well-lit offices by quiet men with white collars and cut fingernails and smooth-shaven cheeks who do not need to raise their voice, close quote. Uh, let Let me give you just a political experiment. Greg Stanton has been in Congress for a number of years now. Um, Go to his website. Go to his congressional website. And tell me if you even recognize the man or if you would recognize him if he were to walk into a restaurant or a store you were in. This man is the former mayor of Phoenix. He's been in Congress several terms now. And as I say, just not here, not part of the community, not raising his voice, but voting Voting with your money, voting with Nancy Pelosi, and getting away with the cover of darkness. Well, if we're about one thing, it's about shedding light and ending the cover of darkness and ending government immurement, excuse me, government immurement of more and more American citizens. That ends this November. I'm Seth Leibson. Until tomorrow, God bless you all and class dismissed.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.